All right. Well, it's good to see all of you out there in the cars and uh, online live streaming. Let's all join our hearts together from the cars to the, where you're at, at your homes to all of us on the lawns. Let's, uh, let's join our hearts together and, and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are people filled with joy and gratitude this morning. We are thankful for the blessings of this beautiful open campus that we're able to meet together on the lawn and in the drive-in and at home to worship. And God, we know that we live in this world in this time of where people are apathetic and people are confused and self-focused and how grateful we are for your son, Jesus Christ. And we're reminded how the scriptures speak into our hearts that Jesus died for all and that those who live should no longer live for themselves. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so there, therefore we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And God, please empower us to be your ambassadors, carrying with us the message of reconciliation in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and in our schools. And Father, as we, we are out here, out in the open, in this community, we pray for our community. We pray for healing upon this community of the South Bay. We pray for peace and, and for the conflicts, interpersonal ones and families and, and others that are so prevalent now. We pray for healing upon our community. And we're thankful that we can give our time and our talents and our treasure to fulfill the mission of Nova Community Church, that many would be reached with God's good news in the South Bay and throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is wonderful to be out here and to feel the cold, cool breeze of the South Bay that we get to enjoy on most days here in the summer. And we're so thankful that there is a bunch of people out there in cars and a bunch of people out there online. So glad that you're joining us all together. Here on, on campus today, there's um, two miracles that are sitting in cars right now. And one of them's named Dan Dye, who had open heart surgery last week, and he's sitting in his car right now. And so we want to wave to you, Dan. And then there's a guy named Rick D'Amico, and uh, he met a car last week, uh, or a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's recovering right now, and he's another miracle, and we're so thankful. Rick, good to see you. So glad you're with us here today. It's wonderful. If you have your devices or your Bibles, would you open them up to James chapter 2? We're going to Start the second chapter in James. We'll begin in verse 1 today. There's some notes also on your Nova Community Church app. And uh, they're also on the website. And so 
if you pull that up and you can look at it, you can just follow along. We'll hit all the points and all the scriptures are, are right there in your notes online. You know, some time ago, Janet and I were throwing a dinner party for young adults at our house. And uh, it was a good time. And a bunch of them were on our back deck and they were, um, they were playing a game. And the game was called Hot Seat. And uh, it's, it's just a get-to-know-you game. It's a game where you just get to know somebody who's on the hot seat. And so what you do is you say, okay, so-and-so is going to be on the hot seat. And then for a certain amount of time, you get to um, ask any questions you want. And they can actually pass on a question, but it's really fast and it's fun. It's, it's a get-to-know-you. And so you ask questions like, hey, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite... Um, Smurf, you know, uh, uh, what, who did you take to your senior prom? Um, what was your first date? Who was your first date with? And what's your favorite vacation spot? And, you know, if you could spend any, if you can spend one hour of time with anybody in history, except for Jesus, who would it be? And, and you would just go on and you get to know the person. It's a lot of fun and, and it's just fun. And then until they ask you, or tell you it's your turn in the hot seat. And so they said, Dean, why don't you go in the hot seat? And I was like, uh, okay, um, all right. And so they asked me all those questions. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? You know, all those sorts of things. What, uh, where did you take Janet on your first date? And uh, how did you ask her to marry you? And then did you want a son or daughter first when you started having kids? And then the question just, they just threw down this question, who's your favorite child? Give me a break, right? I mean, what am I supposed to do with that one? And uh, who's your favorite child? You know, um, I tell both Matt, my son, and uh, Carissa, my daughter, I've told them that privately, of course, uh, that you're my favorite. <laughs> and, uh, and they are. With Matt, um, he's my favorite to do things with. And so Matt and I love to go fishing together and stand up paddle boarding. And we love sports. And so we talk about sports and we like to vacation together. And Matt's my favorite uh, for, for those things. And with Sissy, with, our, with Carissa, um, she's my favorite to talk with. And uh, we talk about life and relationships. Um, she's so smart. We love to talk about people. We talk about business a lot. We talk about leadership a lot. She's my favorite to talk to like that. And you know what? Truth be told, they have their favorites too. You know, uh, when they're sick, Who's your favorite when you're sick, mom or dad? It's got to be mom. Mom's the best if you're sick. If you, any of you are ever sick, just call Janet, and she'll, uh, she'll bring a basket of stuff over and all kinds of different you know, remedies and soup and all kinds of stuff. Um, and you know, when you want to go shopping, Janet's your favorite. Dad, mom's your favorite. Dad's not your favorite. When you want to go to Target, mom's your favorite. And uh, you go to Target, you spend a couple hundred dollars on incredibly necessary things all the time. And uh, mom's got to be the favorite for something like that. We all have our favorites. All of us have our favorite. Favorites for different reasons. And there's nothing wrong 
with having a favorite like that. You know what? There's nothing wrong with having a favorite. I want you to affirm that. Would you just give me a, a thumbs up, like a thumbs up emoji like, like that? And then just give me a thumbs up emoji out there. There's nothing wrong with favorites. And then give that thumbs up to somebody and give them a smile. Like there's nothing wrong with favorites. But there's everything wrong with favoritism. Give it a thumbs down and look at somebody and frown. Frown, I said. Don't, don't, don't laugh. There's nothing wrong with favorites, but there's everything wrong with favoritism. Now, favoritism is where we include some and exclude others based on our thoughts and our opinions in our desires. And so let's take a look at what God thinks about favoritism. James chapter 2, verse 1. Let me read this to you, our text today. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the old, to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. This is God's word for us on this beautiful, wonderful day. Let's take a look at the context and the command. Now, at first glance, reading this scripture, listening to it, you might think that James is writing about how we should treat the rich and the poor, but really, he's really not. We'll get to that in a second. James, remember, is writing to Christ followers. He's writing to Christians that have been separated from one another and experiencing the difficulty of isolation. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Yeah. He reminds them that God is with them, and they they can be steadfast. They need to be steadfast in their trials, in their difficulty. James encourages them to not be self-focused like the world around them, but to be focused on the Word of God. And don't just read it and study it, but do what it says. And the direct applications of doing God's word and his will is to look after forgotten and distressed and abandoned people. And ultimately, James is saying that you might be in danger. He's saying this to all of us. You might be in danger of treating people the same way that the world treats people, our current culture. So the cultural context of this, in in the ancient Roman world, People were separated and segregated by socioeconomic class, rich and poor, Jew and Greek. And the rich would wear blinged out, shiny coats, and they would wear gold on 
gold rings on their fingers. They would have a finger or multiple, not a finger, they would have rings on on every finger of every hand, multiple rings. And they would, you, they'd walk into a place with a shiny coat and blinged out rings on their, on their fingers, and everyone would know, that's a rich person. And they'd treat them different. And poor, the poor were treated different too. They had to live in certain areas. They can only shop in certain, they can only come to certain events, that sort of a thing. And James is writing to this church and saying, hey, church family, don't play favoritisms. Don't do that. It's a good time, though, right now, to ask all of you, how has your cultural context, your family context, perhaps, shaped the way you value and you treat others? How has the world sort of shaped the way you think about other people, different people in your life? Do you value people who are highly educated over people who aren't as educated much? Do you value believers, Christians, versus unbelievers, non-Christians? Do you value Democrats over Republicans? Do you, Democrat, do you value males over females? Or married people over single people? Or older people versus younger people? Do you value the rich more than the poor? Where do you, in your life, in your heart, in your mind, show favoritism? In James chapter one, verse uh, James chapter two, verse one, James pleads with his church family. He says, "My brothers and sisters," he says, "Come on, family, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism." He's telling us that as followers of Jesus. We do not treat people based on our cultural context, the way the world treats people. The Bible, the Word of God tells us that we value and we see people regardless of our cultural or family context. And then there's a command, not just the context, there's a command to all of this. And James just tells it like it is in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2. He says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, and he says that royal law is this, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. If you do that, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. When you're treating others as more than and others as less than, it's a sin. And you are to steadfastly love your neighbor as yourself. We've been talking a lot about loving your neighbor recently in this season of pandemic and protests. But Jesus makes a profound and simple statement, and he sums it up right here in James chapter 7. I mean, sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. He says, Jesus says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And this sums up the law and the prophets. This is known as the golden rule. And you treat others how you want to be treated, and no one wants to be excluded, and no one wants to be left out. But for some reason, because of our self-focused cultural context, we treat others the way we think they should be treated. And that's just not right. And this is not how God sees us at all. So how does God see us? Let's take a look at that. What does God think of us? Because in Romans chapter 2, verse 11, it puts it real simple. God shows no favoritism. 
He doesn't show any favoritism. So what does God think of us? The first is this. We are equal in our sin. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned, that's all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We all need forgiveness. We like to think, though, I think, of our sin as a little less bad as someone else's sin. We say, you know, I'm not perfect, but man, are you guys really messed up. Ultimately, our sin is the same. All sin, no matter how big, no matter how little your sin is, it separates us from God. And if you've ever, if you've never experienced forgiveness for your sin, I'm glad you're listening right now. And I'm glad you're here listening to this message. The first is we are equal in our sin. The second is we're equal in our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You can't do anything to earn your forgiveness or your salvation. It's the gift of God. And we are all equal in our salvation. The first is we're equal in our sin. We have all sinned. And then we're equal in our salvation. It's a gift of God. And today, if you say, I have sinned, if you say, I have sinned today, now just think about that. If you could admit, I have sinned, and maybe just sort of, go ahead and just, if, if you believe that, go ahead and say, I have sinned. If you believe that, go ahead, just say it with me. I'm, I'm not going to, make you say it, but if you believe that, go ahead and say it with me. I have sinned. If you believe that you've sinned, we're all equal in our sin. And then you can't earn your forgiveness. You can't do anything to be forgiven. Anything. If, if, you've, been, if you've sinned, you can't do anything to earn your forgiveness. And if you say, I have sinned, and I know that I can't do any, anything to earn my salvation, my, my forgiveness. I just accept that gift of salvation that we just read about in Ephesians chapter 2. You are equal with every other person here because all have sinned and you can't earn your salvation. You can only receive it as a gift. You know what? 50 years ago, I said, I have sinned. And then I realized I could not earn my forgiveness. And so I received the gift of salvation 50 years ago. And today, if for the first time you said, I have sinned, and then you said, I can't earn my salvation, so I'm going to receive the gift that God has for me of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, then today is your first, your, your day one today. For me, it was 50 years ago. And you know what? We're equal. There is no kids' table in heaven. You ever, you know what I'm talking about? On Thanksgiving, you ever, <laughs> I think that was an amen from the cars, right? On Thanksgiving, there's this dining room table with, you know, 12 or 15 or 16 seats. And it's for the adults. It's where the mature conversation happens, right? And then you have this rickety old card table with a janky old tablecloth 
and someone's centerpiece of, you know, they copied their finger and made a turkey out of it and stuck it in the middle. And that's what you got at the kids' table. And that, you know, and, and as you become a preteen or a teenager and you're still at the kids' table, you just long to be at the adult table, right? And, you know, the kids' table, they're flicking mashed potatoes at each other. And you long to make it to the big leagues, right? You want to get to that table. There is no kids' table and adult table in heaven. Our salvation is equal. If today was your day one and you said, you know what? I realize that I've sinned. And now I realize I can't earn, I've tried to, but I can't earn my salvation. And then I realize it's a gift. I'll receive that gift that God has for me through Jesus Christ. Today's your day one. Today is my day 50. And we're together. And in heaven, there's a banqueting table for all of us when we're there. First is, we're all equal in our sin. Second is, we're equal in our salvation. And the third is, we are equal in our worth. In Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, "You created, For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. God is creator. He created all things. He created this beautiful place, this incredible stone pine that he gifted to our church family. And he created all people with equal worth. And he knit you together in your mother's womb. Anyone, uh, anybody uh, a knitter out there? Come on, don't be, uh, don't be uh, ashamed. If you're a knitter, raise your hand right there. Knitters unite right now. If anyone in a car is a knitter, honk your horn at me. Okay. <laughs> Come on, knitters unite right here. You know what? Knitters are awesome because you take these two sticks. I don't know how you do it. And this, and this thing of yarn like this, and you put together something beautiful. And when I watch knitters, it's meticulous and it's time consuming. It's creative. It's handmade. We have a couple blankets at home that have been knit together by family members and people that love us. And I'll tell you what, when I pull that blanket out and I, and I wrap myself in it, I know that that person who knit that blanket for me loved me. And it was a special gift. And when I read in the scriptures that God, you knit me together in my mother's womb, God created all things, but the human beings are the ones, only ones he created in the image of God. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them. We were all created as individuals and we're all unique. We have all unique DNA and we have all unique voices and laughs and personality and gifts and talents and we're all unique and we're all loved by God and he knit us together in this loving creative handmade sort of way you're one of a kind and you're incredibly rare which makes you unbelievably valuable and your life was bought with a price 
according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For Christ's love compels us because we're all convinced that one died for all. Your forgiveness and your salvation and your life was bought at the highest price, the life of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So every person you come in contact with is equal in value, created by God in the image of, of God, found to be in sin, needing to be forgiven, and bought with the price of the death of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And God sees us all as valuable, and we are called to see one another as valuable as God sees us. We are all God's favorites, yet he doesn't practice favoritism with us, and we need to do the same. How do we overcome favoritism? We have one point today that I want you to go home with. It's this. Don't let your preferences become your prejudices. Don't let your preferences become your prejudices. We all have people that we like to hang out with. It's called friendship. We all like to talk about certain things, and that's our preference. I like to talk about God and what God's doing. I'd like to talk about you. I want to hear what's going on with your life. I'd like to talk about my family, and I want to hear about your family. I like to talk about sports, and I like to talk about good food and good drinks, and I like to talk about outdoors and fishing and stand-up paddleboarding and leadership. And I, I love to talk about starting new things, like starting new businesses and starting new churches. I love to talk about those are my preferences. If you want to talk about other things, I won't think more of you, and I won't think less of you. We all have preferences. They just can't become our prejudices. And it's simple. This is, this is the way it is. We don't have to like everybody, but we have to love everybody. And when we start to prejudge someone, and make assumptions and start to talk negatively about someone and treat others disrespectfully based on what we think and how they look and what's in their bank account and where they work and where they live and what their past was like. Once we start doing that, we judge them unfairly and we become prejudiced and show favoritism towards those God loves. And God doesn't want that with us. And James spells it out so clear. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5, the Apostle Paul writes this, Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.